Hey everybody, how y'all doing? I'm Michael, joined by Alex. How's it going? And this is Fallout Through Plotholes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. And this is part two of three of our mini-series about Silent Hill Ascension, a video game that is not a video game. Genevieve insists it's not a video game, but rather an interactive, massively interactive live event, or a mile telling the next basically the next installment of the Silent Hill canon. Uh, first part dealt with Genvin and their origins, as well as how Silent Hill, the franchise, was even a, in a position for this to happen in the first place. And this episode is going to be dealing with what Genvid was doing with the whole their whole Miles architecture uh, that is going to basically lead into the development of Silent Hill Ascension. So if you want to learn about a lot of really weird Facebook games, you're in the right place. Oh, boy. If you don't, you know, that's fine, too. The next episode will deal with the plot of Silent Hill Ascension. But before we get into all that, Alex, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I've had a kind of busy but pretty okay week. Uh, I'll go ahead and give a shout out to a good show. I finished season one of One Piece on Netflix, the live action adaptation. And, oh my uh, god, it's so good. It's good. As, as a previous One Piece fan who has watched the anime, it's a good show. It's a good yeah. adaptation. I like what they're doing. Yeah, they, they, they cut it down the right ways. Yeah. That show has a lot of budget behind it. Sure does. Oh, boy. Those set pieces. Mm-hmm. Impressive. All those and boats are real. It's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. And you look at them and you're like, yeah, that is how that boat would look in real life. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, action scene, surprisingly good. Excellent stunt work and mm-hmm. uh, cinematography, got to say. And Oh, yeah. No, they practical effects the hell out of that show. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. Um, they did make some changes to, like, the story structure, which in general, I'm actually kind of a fan of the changes they've made. Mm-hmm. I think some of them are pretty smart and make a lot of sense. It's interesting, it comes off as, like, anime story beats through a Western story structure. Yeah. Which is interesting, but it, it works. They make it work. Yeah, they totally do. They they totally, totally do, in a sense of, like, yeah, they the cuts they make are very, very smart and deliberate. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they still do things like have a lot of downtime so the crew can actually interact and talk with each other and whatnot. I I would say, actually, that objectively, the crew has more downtime and interaction with each other than in any other version of this story. Mm-hmm. That is actually maybe the thing I like the most about it, is the crew has like legitimate bonding experiences early on. <laughs> as nice. opposed to just kind of being on a boat together. And beating people up until they're friends. <laughs> I always love how that's just a trope of like every shonen anime of just like yep. you just yep. you just beat people into like friends mission. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The downtime parts were easily my favorite part of mm-hmm. the One Piece live at live, live animation yeah. adaptation. Uh, yeah. And again, I feel like it's something that the manga and the anime were kind of missing. So I really enjoy that they added them to this. It it makes things feel a lot more organic and believable. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the set design, as previously mentioned, and the costume design, and just generally the visual aesthetic of the whole thing is goofy as hell. Yep. Yes, it is. It's great. They, they captured the goofiness of like, no, there's just like sheep people and whatnot. Whatever, yeah. man. Yeah. There's Why? a fish man. Who Shut cares? Up. Yeah. It it looks like a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, 
that is a freaking cartoon character standing over there with his stupid yellow eyes and giant cross sword. Yep. He is just right there. Uh, I always also love how the like the bounty posters will show up and then oh, the numbers so will fly great. off. Yes. Oh, they're so good. And then they like rip him up or cut him or crumple him. Oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, it's just a consistently good through line with that. Oh, well, y'all probably are thinking this is like a One Piece live live action adaptation episode, but it actually isn't. Nope, it's not. I, I, I kind of wish it was now. Yeah. So we can sit here and just talk about Buggy the Clown, but... <laughs> Buggy's, Buggy's great. I'm Buggy's glad great. they added more Buggy because Buggy becomes a thing, but early on he's not a thing. Yes, indeed. As somebody who is well aware of the plot of One Piece, despite <laughs> not really watching any One Piece, th- what they do with Buggy is great. So, yeah, but unfortunately, we're actually talking about something in the horror genre. Silent Hill Ascension. And so I guess we probably should just kind of jump on in there and uh, continue talking about how how this even became a thing. Because, oh boy, Alex, I'm yeah. kind of still shocked that it did. So I think most of us are. Yeah, it, the thing about Silent Hill Ascension has just been general confusion from the second it was announced last year to, mm-hmm. this, well, literally up to this very minute of recording. So... As what as we last left off, we talked about the origins of Silent Hill, right? So the rise and fall of the franchise and how the cancellation of Silent Hills mm-hmm. allowed for Genvid, a company specializing in massive interactive events, uh, got basically the ability to make the first new Silent Hill game or experience or however you want to call it in nearly 10 years. Mm-hmm. Now, they did this via a new proprietary technology called Miles, or Massively Interactive Live Events. This technology, which is essentially an HTML5 wrapper overlaid onto a video feed, could theoretically allow an unlimited amount of people to interact and influence some sort of interactive entertainment, whether that's a movie, a video game, or whatever. It's interesting technology on its face, but at this point, uh, let's say 2019, Mm. it doesn't have a proven use case yet. Mm -hmm. And you can't really raise a ton of funding, usually, yeah. Without a use case. So, Alex, GenVid got around to making one. Oh, boy. A product called Rival Peak. <laughs> yeah. Now, off stream, I was pleased to learn that you're aware of Rival Peak. I am aware of Rival Peak. <laughs> um, That sure was a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if, if I remember correctly, you're actually, like, friends with a streamer who was, like, involved with that yes. in some way. I, I had a friend who streamed for the company as, a, like, an official paid streamer for Rival Peaks <laughs> for, I believe they said, two days. <laughs> and then no more. And then they bounced. Yeah, and once I get into what exactly Rival Peak is, I'm going to say, can't really blame them. no. Uh, I, I watched their stream for a bit and they, they were, you know, they didn't stop because they were doing a bad job of it. They Mm. were as invested as they possibly could have been and just doing their best to sell the thing. Mm -hmm. But oh man, the thing. The thing, the thing sounds like the most boring thing imaginable. It was, really (laughs) was. Well, I guess I probably should even explain what Rival Peak is. So, Rifle Peak is a mile on Facebook Watch. 
Facebook's kind of answer to YouTube and TikTok that mm-hmm. launched back in, I think, 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, it currently, I think, is being rebranded to Facebook Video. Rival Peak itself was an interactive live stream that ran 24 hours a day, seven days a week for three months between December 2020 and March 2021. Now, it was built in Unity, uh, that, and it used AI-driven characters to tell a story of a bunch of contestants in a reality show called Rival Peak, a Survivor-style show where over the course of three months, it became apparent there was a lot more going on than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. And it was actually like a giant conspiracy afoot, complete with like Lost-style supernatural elements. Like, it was literally described by, uh, I believe, Chris Cataldi, uh, uh, that it was like Survivor meets Lost. Mm-hmm. So GenVid themselves actually didn't like develop like the Unity engine part or any of that. Uh, GenVid basically only handled the infrastructure behind the entire thing. So the Miles technology, managing the live streams, that sort of thing. Right. Rather, what they did, though, for like all the 3D graphics, the AI routines that were programmed in, that sort of stuff, they contracted out with other studios to help out with that. Okay. Now, the 3D graphics and AI routines and other game elements were handled by Pipework Studios. Hmm. Yeah, a company best known for shovelware, such as the various Godzilla games for the PlayStation 2 and GameCube, which is actually a little rude. Uh, Godzilla they're... Destroy All Monsters was actually pretty good. Yeah, they're fine. But... um. They also did put out other games such as Merv Griffin's Crosswords for the Wii. <laughs> well. <laughs> Not everyone's a hit, right? Look, the, the Wii was a treasure trove for shovelware. You got to get your bucks while you can. Oh, God, it really is. I, I was really happy when somebody dumped like the entirety of the WiiWare <laughs> online store. Uh-huh. So you could just download just the worst things the in the worst. world. Oh, the worst. Like the Campfire app that used the NVIDIA Physx, <laughs> which the Nintendo Wii was not made for, so it just would crumble oh, yes. every time you drop a log onto the fire. Great. Uh, yeah, absolutely great. So they handled the actual like work behind that. Uh, Genvid describes them as a AAA game studio, which is an interesting uh, stretch to say the least. Yeah, that's <laughs> hmm, let's let's not let's not lie. Yeah, let's pump the brakes on that one now. The narrative was handled by an entirely separate company, mm. and that was DJ2 Entertainment. DJ2 sounds scammy <laughs> as hell, but they are a real company. They're okay. apparently the production company that's behind so- the Sonic the Hedgehog movies. Okay. Yeah. And uh, if you heard of them more recently, they've been in the news for teaming up with Amazon Studios to help produce video game to movie ad- adaptations for some, um, some stuff such as It Takes Two and Disco Elysium. Uh, projects that I'm sure are going to come out, given that they're also attached to the adaptations for My Friend Pedro, Just Cause, Kid Chameleon, Catherine, Altered Beast, American Arcadia, which is a game that literally just came out one month before recording this episode, uh-huh. Odd World, No Man's Sky, and Sleeping Dogs, among other projects that will totally come out. Yeah, this this really sounds like just casting as wide a net as possible to yes. be like, one of these will certainly not fail. Yeah, it sounds a lot like that one producer back in the 2000s. I forget who exactly it was. Who mm-hmm. was just like gobbling up like the Metal Gear Solid and Halo franchise rights that he was and he was going to totally make movies mm-hmm. with. They were totally going to happen, yo, and they never did. Like that's what this sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And like Sega's like, "Well, yeah, no, sure. Yeah, you could have the Catherine license. We don't care." Yeah, no one cares. Yeah, it turns out no. It's We saw the numbers the re-release did. Yeah, it was it was bad. It was not good. <laughs> uh, as an aside, by the way, if you go to D, uh, DJ2Entertainment.com, 
you just get their logo and no way to actually access the website. <laughs> you have to actually search for their about page on Google to access it. Nice. Very good. Yeah, it's once again, they come off as a scam company that actually somehow accidentally put out a successful product. It's weird. <laughs> now, the narrative itself is going to be written primarily by Stephen Bugaj, a former screenwriter and technical director at Pixar and the former creative di- director at Telltale Games. Oh. Yeah, where he helped develop the narrative behind the Walking Dead games. So not a bad choice, honestly, if mm-hmm. you're going to pull yep. something into this. So... Once again, Genvid held coordinate between these two teams, these two companies, when it came to creating the final product in Rival Peak, while also being responsible for all the infrastructure underpinning it. So once again, that includes the servers, helping to integrate the miles overlay, doing deal with Facebook and other partners, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. So none of that actually explains what you do in Rival Peak. Mm-hmm. So what you do in Rival Peak is that you basically watch 12 or so different AI characters each with their own separate live stream that you can actually tab through on the bottom of the screen right. as they walk around an island doing various tasks that you, as a community, vote on. And this could be anything like build a raft, gather food, uh, make shelter, or whatever. Doing this with a specific character will raise the score, which in turn determines if they get voted off or not. Uh, so if you like a particular character, it behooves you to constantly watch that character and make sure that you voted on decisions for them. Now, during this game... Events would also happen like wolves would attack the camp or a landslide would happen. Uh, The AI characters would also like run into each other and talk to each other, which is how a lot of the story was also communicated in game via text Mm -hmm. boxes. So how this all played out was that given that it ran 24-7, you could probably imagine how it went. Yeah. Um, So just watching it for a little bit, the impression that I got of it was primarily and hold hold this soundbite in your head it doesn't appear to have any under respect understanding of or respect for people's time nope (laughs) (laughs) it is so empty and boring like you're basically watching a bunch of my sims just walk around pantomiming actions like setting up a tent Mm -hmm. and like if you love that this was the experience for you (laughs) otherwise if you wanted anything of substance that happened it seems like you just needed to be in the right place at the right time Right. And, like, they did try to, like, do things like put little icons on each character bubble that you could click to go to their live stream. So, like, Mm -hmm. if something would happen, you could click on it and see them, like, talking with somebody or whatever or make a decision for them. But it still, like, meant that you had to, like, do a surprising amount of work to kind of keep up every character's actions. Actions that, once again, could occur at any point during a 24-7 live stream. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And with all that being said, it just comes off as being, like, very lifeless because, once again... Nobody's controlling these characters. Right. There's just some, like, routines that are underneath them that are just being like, walk here, oh, your hunger is low, eat something, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So they are literally acting, it's like, basically, like, if you were playing The Sims 2, and you just set up a house, and you just let The Sims do whatever. Mm -hmm. It'd be exactly like that. And because of that, they do really funny things sometimes, though not in the way I think they wanted them to. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, there was one scene I watched where a contestant got possessed by a ghost. And had glowing eyes and was writhing on the ground. <laughs> now, another character nearby responded by doing jumping jacks and taking a <laughs> selfie of himself before walking off and then realizing that, oh, wait, this is happening. I'm supposed to react to what's happening. And then he took off in a sprint. <laughs> yeah, it's just not good. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah. And once again, like they hired like 
like after a while, people were getting confused. Like, is this supposed to be a game? Is this supposed to be mm-hmm. like just something you watch? And like eventually, like Genvin's like, we gotta hire like streamers to guide people through this. <laughs> and so yeah, they paid for a bunch of streamers to like right. show this off and just, like kind of like hype up the dead parts of the game. Uh-huh. <laughs> and be like, oh man, wonder what's going on. Oh, I wonder what Toby is doing or whatever. And there's not a whole lot of those streams archived nowadays. So mm-hmm. it's hard to get like a feel of like how good of a job people did at this or like what the pay rates were or anything like that. But uh, I know they hired a significant amount and apparently it did help them bump the numbers a bit. So there's that, I guess. Right. But regardless, uh, forcing people to watch hours of footage from 12 different live streams every day in order to get the story just isn't a good way of communicating any sort of story. No, no, it is not. And to be fair, it's clear Genvid realized this right away. Right. So alongside Rival Peak launched a 25 to 30 minute weekly wrap up show called Rival Speak. Now, Rival Speak, uh, the yes in the speak part, by the way, is bolded. Uh, they couldn't just let you realize the show's name was a play on the product's name. They, mm-hmm. They're like, mm-hmm. we did something clever. We have to make sure to point it out. Right. Hate it when people do that anyways. It's, it's just like the Talking Dead. Oh, God, you it guys, is just like everyone, the Talking Dead. Everyone remember the Talking Dead, that part? Of the Walking Dead experience that you totally didn't turn the TV off for? The only time I ever watched The Talking Dead was when I was in, like, a bar waiting for, like, to watch, like, a football game back in El Paso. And Mm -hmm. so, like, The Walking Dead would go off because, like, the bartender just really loved that show. And then, Uh yeah, The Talking Dead would come on. And he would, like, watch at least a little bit of that before the football game started. So that's how I got to learn about Norman Reedus and whatnot. And they basically go, like, yeah, man, it was real intense to film the scene of getting eaten by a zombie. And it's like, I, I guess it was. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was. I don't know anyone who really bought into The Talking Dead, but everyone emulated that for their big hit TV show experience. Oh God, they did. Yeah. To, to everyone's, which led to everyone's favorite example, where as game of Thrones was entering its final season, (laughs) they had the showrunners and writers on after the episode to explain why, what you just watched was the worst thing you've ever seen. (laughs) Oh, it's good. Yeah, Peter Dinklage <laughs> just being like, yeah, no, I don't understand why he did that. Yeah, that seems I don't, stupid. That, that, seem, that doesn't seem like something Tyrion would do, but I mean... <laughs> sure, they got a plan. Yep. <laughs> Spoilers, they did not have a plan. They did not. No, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm glad that trend is dead. Yes. So, Rival Speak is a live-action show hosted by Will Wheaton, who plays an increasingly unhinged AI simulation version of Will Wheaton. It's actually kind of a good bit. Uh-huh. Uh, this show acts as a way to tie together all the cutscenes and results for the voting that were done in the entire week. Mm-hmm. And I have to give them credit. It is a legitimately impressive production. Will Wheaton is certainly putting 110% behind his acting here. Mm-hmm. Like, and while the game footage is still awkward looking, it now has like voice acting that takes into account the decisions made during the previous <laughs> week. And they actually mm-hmm. try to like set up scenes with the characters. Like, the production itself, like it, uh, apparently, like the production itself, like even was done in a very interesting and streamlined manner, where mm-hmm. it had to be redone as the week went on to account for whatever storyline changes had to be made due to right. community decisions. So, like, right. they would like have a general idea. They would lock into decisions like Thursday. They would rewrite. Have Will Wheaton do like a first run take, view it, see if it's all right. Have him do a retake if he needed to, and mm-hmm. then publish it. Like it. 
And given that, like, Will does a great job as the host throughout this of basically increasingly becoming unhinged about what it means to win a reality show. <laughs> I gotta say, they they did good. Mm-hmm. However, it kind of underlines a fundamental problem with this whole experiment, <laughs> which is that clearly the best version of this experience is to take a community vote, run an AI simulation, and then just have Will Wheaton narrate what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, I came to the same conclusion as Paul. Like, I wrote down, like, it's a kind of damning thing about the whole project. Yeah, it kind <laughs> of renders the show itself a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And also, the best version of this thing is not even, like, an amazing experience. It is Will Wheaton telling you a campfire story. Yes, actually. <laughs> Which is not a bad experience to have, to be fair, but it's not revolutionary. It is not, no. It, it, it isn't, but it, it's it's one of those things where it's like, you just get like, like, I was impressed that they managed to pull anything off with this. Yes. And, but I do have to say, yeah, like, it, it's sad that you could kind of just have a tightly done 30 minutes to an hour that decisions the community could have made during the entire thing. Like, mm-hmm. and end up coming out with a better product and just doing a 24-7 live stream. Yeah. Like, I don't know why they wouldn't just do that in the future. Which, by the way, that isn't foreshadowing at all for anything. So don't <laughs> worry about that. <laughs> so, with all of that, Rival Peak was a big success f- success for Genvid. And by success, I mean Genvid said it was a big success. Uh-huh. And everyone else just sort of believed them, it seems. Uh, okay. So, the reason why I'm saying this is because according to Genvid, Rival Peak ended with 100 million minutes watched and over 1 billion points earned by the player base. Uh, these numbers were put out in a press release and in a PowerPoint presentation that I watched with Chris mm-hmm. Catali. And basically every major tech block picked it up and repeated it without any sort of insight into it. Uh-huh. Like Venture Beat, Variety, Deadline, they all put out basically the same article like, man, look how great this did. It had 100 million minutes watched. And it's like, no, like looking into like, okay, is there any retention in here? Like did, how many total viewers did they actually have? Right. Stuff like that. Because this is also taking place on Facebook streaming, whatever the hell they were calling it at the time, mm-hmm. which is like possibly the weirdest live streaming platform that Mm -hmm. I have seen because it's just like YouTube kind of comes close in that it is just built into the platform that already has a lot of users on it. Mm -hmm. And it's just integrated in a way that people just surfing it boredly can kind of come across things, look at it for a minute and then move on. Yeah. So like, yeah, you can get a lot of eyes on it. There are a lot of eyes on the website. Mm-hmm. And this is just another thing that comes up in that website. Yeah. But there's no actual, like, mechanisms of engagement or retention or even, it seems to me, measuring people engaging with this in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they try to, like, put out that 1 billion points uh, metric to show the level of engagement. But, right. like, it's useless without knowing how much points a user could generate at any given time. Right. Right. But even if like you focus on the 100 million minutes part, it falls apart pretty quickly. When you realize this was running 24-7 for 13 mm-hmm. weeks, that's 130,000 uh, minutes of airtime. And obviously, not everyone's going to watch every minute, 
Mm-hmm. But even for the average viewer, if they only watched like an hour and 40 minutes, it would come out to about a million unique viewers. And that number isn't unimpressive, but to put mm-hmm. some context behind that, the YouTuber Girl with the Dogs recently put out a <laughs> dog grooming video that got 6 million views and is 25 minutes long. If every view only watched four minutes of that video, that comes out to 24 million minutes watched. Mm-hmm. And that's incredibly impressive for an independent YouTuber who theoretically got a fourth of the minutes watched of a product by three separate companies that worked in tandem with Facebook. Oh, by the way, they worked in tandem with Facebook about this. I, th- I forgot to mention that. Of course they did, because Facebook was probably desperate to get anyone to use their platform seriously. Because it's Facebook streaming, who cares? Exactly. Yep, this was this was a had a prominent uh this was a prominent part of their strategy, from my understanding, or at least part of their strategy to, to some extent, because Matthew Henke, the then VP of content strategy with Facebook, is on record as having personally greenlit and supported this product. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how prominent the advertising was for this, but the world's largest social media platform is supporting your product in any capacity. I imagine it tips the scales considerably. Mm-hmm. With all of that, I do want to be fair to Rifle Peak by pointing out three things. Mm -hmm. One, the 100 million minutes does not take into account Rifle Speak, which apparently did very well with viewership itself. Mm -hmm. Two, the show wasn't actually advertised until week three due to (laughs) wanting to work out the kinks in production first, which is, is decently responsible and did result in them nearly having, according to them, 55 times the amount of viewers by the end of production compared to the beginning. Once again, that number is kind of useless without knowing what they right. started with, but that's what they said. And three, it was successful to investors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Janvid was able to raise $113 million in Series C funding in, I believe it was July 2021st. Mm-hmm. Money that would go for, go towards their new ambition, attaching Miles technology to popular media franchises in order to make even more money. It's really funny because they talk about like, when's Rival Peak 2 going to come out? And they're like, well, don't worry. We got <laughs> something in the plans for next year. And then things next year was like, we're doing things with Pac-Man. <laughs> I, as you were saying that, I was trying desperately to think if I have heard anything use the term Miles technology. Well, I think probably until I talked to you about the, all this stuff today, I, I imagine you probably didn't because I didn't. Nope. Nope. Yeah, and I, I like to think I'm pretty plugged into this sort of stuff. Yeah, it. We're gonna get. I think we're gonna get into why you also haven't heard Miles, but that's mm-hmm. gonna be it for. I say 15 minutes from now. Okay. Because first off, we gotta talk about the two Miles products that they've put out before we get to Silent Hill Ascension. And the first they're gonna put out is Pac-Man Community, which Alex Pac-Man Community is cool. Okay. This is the one thing I'm gonna defend about Genvid. Okay. So it's not really a mile in a traditional sense, mm-hmm. whatever that means coming out of my mouth, but it's a Pac-Man maze maker that also had an online component where you and four others could play through multiple user-made maps while spectators can cheer on either you or the ghost and make either more powerful. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is actually cool because you finish up a map and it just goes to, it just puts you into another user-generated map right afterwards and people could drop in and out freely it actually seems fun. Yeah, that seems like a fun stream game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they also showed off, like, um, in the trailer, that the trailer, which is funny as hell to me, because it depicts a future where, like, young people just hang out online and play Pac-Man or stream uh-huh. Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. An unrealistic future that I wish was true, because I yes. like Pac-Man and I'm old. 
But uh, they did show off. It's like, oh, if you're watching a stream, you could just hit the but like a button on top that says "Join now," and you could just join in with their game or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, which seems like cool technology. Like that's I don't know if that actually happened because once again, this is not running anymore, and finding footage right. of it is difficult. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like I I'm sad I didn't I missed this. This actually seems like it would be all right. And this was also on Facebook Watch. I should mention. Uh huh. So the other an arguably more prestigious product, and this one we are going to talk about more, is going to be set in the universe of The Walking Dead, titled The Walking Dead, Last Mile. <sighs> Alex, have you heard of Last Mile? I don't know at this point. Everything about wa The Walking Dead in video games, other than the Telltale game, has just become this mire of garbage that mm -hmm. seems to somehow get worse with every new entry and has started to include things that don't even have the walking dead in the name mm -hmm. yep like yep you, you said the walking dead the last mile and my brain auto completed it with that russian scam game that just came out and then <laughs> shut down the next day oh yes <laughs> What was that, the day after or something? It was the day before. The day before. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, the day before, the last mile, the walking dead. It's all in the same freaking garbage zombie survival apocalypse nonsense mm -hmm. genre yep. that produced like seven days to die and nothing else of quality. Yep. Yep. I guess yeah. Zomboid is supposed to be fun. Yeah, having not played Zomboid, I, I would not know. But yeah, well... You're not wrong about Walking Dead products being almost universally terrible outside of, like, I guess the TV show and comics. Uh, and it's uh, it's unfortunate that you don't really know anything about Last Mile because uh, mm -hmm. I, I I was hoping you did because I know scant little about it. And that's not for want of trying, man. There there was just a new terrible Walking Dead game, and it has now taken up the Walking Dead video game space in my brain. <laughs> that Like, now this is what Walking Dead video games look like. Terrible boss fights that don't make sense. Yep. At least it's not as bad as that, like, really terrible first-person shooter that came out, oh, like, four God. years ago or whatever. Uh, well, Alex, let me show you the trailer to this, because I right. you, you need to look at the trailer for this, and maybe it's going to remind you of, of a few things. Okay. That, uh, all right, can you see that okay? Yes. Okay. Absolutely no stab wound in the zombie's head. Mm-hmm. Yep, no. How, how did that even happen? I'm not really sure, honestly. Okay, yeah. So, Alex, does that kind of, like, remind you of maybe some other successful Walking Dead product out there? You know, maybe uh, some sort of, like, incredibly uh -huh. successful uh, uh, adventure game, maybe? In terms of at least the art style? Actually, no. <laughs> oh, really? No, it looks way worse. Oh, no, it definitely looks worse. No, like, no, I, I understand what you mean, that they're going for that. But here's the thing. That looks so bad, I didn't even think about the Telltale games. <laughs> like, it actually didn't even remind me of the Telltale games. You know, honestly, fair. Because, like, the first thing I saw of that was like, oh, that, uh, mm -hmm. you're going for that same comic book right. style, those games. Okay, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get that. But no, like, it. It it legitimately did not even make me think of it. Mm -hmm. I was just like, "Wow, that's just incredibly generic." Yep, yep. It and it really is. It really, really is. Kind of like Rifle Peak was felt very generic in many ways. Mm -hmm. I, the last mile is not a. 
it's not going to really uh, push things forward too much. Right. So <clears throat> last mile is a proper mile. Oh, hey, wait, that's probably why it's called last mile. That's fine. Yeah. Now, it ran for four months from July to November of 2022, mm-hmm. basically coinciding with the final season of the TV show, The Walking Dead. Boy, when just the goodwill for The Walking Dead as a franchise was at an all-time high. Yep. <laughs> a show that when I found out that was this final season was in 2022, I went, I thought it ended four years earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not alone. Yep. Unlike the show, this takes place in the comic book universe, uh, which is the same as the Telltale games, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. And it's set in a coastal town in the state of Alaska and purports to be something of a next chapter in the Walking Dead series, or at least are, according to no, the trailer. There are no chapters in the Walking Dead. It's just a cycle of people are sad and then zombies show up. We find shelter. Oh, no. Humanity's maybe the real zombies. Oh, no. The zombies are are in our shelter. I guess zombies are more like zombies. We got to find a new shelter now. Like for for there to be a next chapter in a saga, there has to be a progressive through line of plot progression. Mm. Keep that soundbite in mind as well. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Alex, you will not be surprised to learn that this product feels like a complete afterthought. Mm -hmm. To begin, while on its face, this seems like a pretty big get for Genvid, the Walking Dead was kind of on its last legs as a media franchise at this point. Yep. The Telltale games had con- come and gone, and any other attempt at a video game was just terrible. So had Telltale, by the way. Yeah, funnily enough, rapidly expanded their studio on the success of those Walking Dead games, then imploded. Mm-hmm. And then coincidentally, a lot of their writers will end up going to work for a company that works with Genvid now. Ah. Uh, funny how that works. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, hmm, funny that. Yeah. Now, the show itself was, once again, far from its heyday. Once again, surprised it was even still on the air in 2022, but then I was less surprised when I learned it averaged roughly about 1.8 million viewers per episode. Mm -hmm. A real far cry from six years ago, where some episodes had a viewership of 17 million people. Even Robert Kirkland seemed pretty checked out. While Mm. he did press for the experience, by this point, he had kind of moved on to producing Invincible for Amazon Prime Video, so... Mm -hmm. He's, uh, he's going to say some words like, yeah, man, this is going to be a real cool technology behind this. Anyways, I got to go work <laughs> on my other successful franchise. Yeah, I'm going to go make a good show now. Yeah, I'm going to just do that. <laughs> this all seems somewhat reflected in this experience, Alex. Mm-hmm. Besides the very similar art style to the Telltale games, if you know anything about the phenomenon that was The Walking Dead, you know it primarily takes place in the American South. And so Mm. anything that takes place in Alaska is likely only going to be related in tone at best. Mm -hmm. Almost like if this didn't hit, they could just sweep it under the rug and it wouldn't affect anything at all. Wow. (laughs) Just like every other like spinoff show that they made. Mm hmm. Yep. Yep. Nothing, nothing hit, did it? It was literally the first TV show for like four seasons and Mm -hmm. the Telltale game, arguably only the first one. Yeah. And then everything else about that massive multimedia franchise was just scraping in the dark for any morsel of success that never came. What, you're not excited for the spin-off show uh do, 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 The Walking Dead Dead City or Fear of the Walking Dead? I don't know which one's in Paris. Uh d- there's one in Paris? I think so. I'm unclear. I also don't care. What about The Walking Dead World Beyond? 
I don't know what these are anymore. Hold on, hold on. We got Tales of the Walking Dead. Walking mm-hmm. Dead, the red machete. I think Tales is, is Tales the what if show, the one-off show that's already dead? Might be, because it looks like the last episode was from 2022, and it lasted all of one season. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. The Walking Dead torn apart. That's a web series, apparently. Uh, all right, we're, we're getting we are getting off plot. Okay, yes. so yeah, my point is is that yeah, this uh, this seems like it's a big deal. It really isn't given the state of the franchise. It is sort of Genvid just jumping on the bandwagon of a franchise that is basically already dead. Also, yes. keep that soundbite in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Genvid really has this like undercurrent throughout this entire. Yeah, they, they, they kind of had a pattern. Yeah, of, like, either getting in onto a trend, like, way too late, or, like, inventing a technology to solve a problem that's already been long solved by somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So, as for the experience itself, it's very similar to Rival Peak. Uh, viewers watch AI-driven characters do tasks as they vote on actions and outcomes, while also, this time around, playing minigames that'll help them survive the zombies. Like, uh, you could do mm-hmm. things like, there's, like, a shooting gallery and whatnot. It's, like, basically, like, flash game levels. Mm. Uh, that will help uh, give them, like, your whatever faction you're part of, resources and whatnot, because there's rival mm. factions vying for resources, what have you. Uh, what I understand, it did run 24-7, similar to Rival Peak, mm-hmm. and it even had a weekly recap show, although this time it was hosted by Yvette Nicole Brown, who's uh, from Community, and Felicia mm. Day. Okay. Yeah, uh, between Felicia Day and Will Wheaton, it's pretty clear that Genvid makes sure to cast, like, the nerd media superstars represent mm-hmm. their products. Right. Which is not a criticism, by the way, because uh, much like Will Wheaton, Yvette and Felicia give it their all. Yeah. I'm just saying I would not have been surprised if, say, Nathan Fillion somehow ended up hosting a <laughs> weekly show for Silent Hill Ascension. That's not foreshadowing. That never is going to happen. I'm just saying I would not have been surprised. <laughs> I I would legitimately watch that show. Mm-hmm. That sounds like exactly what the Silent Hill franchise deserves at this point. It, yes, it would have. That would have been a lot more interesting. Yeah, now they just have two staffers from GenVid, like before every little yeah. episode snippet, basically talk about what happened last time. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, they are also doing their best. Mm. Now, given how successful Rival Peak was, I would have expected this to have exceeded the bar set by that experience, which was why I was incredibly like surprised to find that basically there's like nothing about its reception, the discourse hmm. behind it, the numbers, uh, words regarding it at all. Uh huh. Like the most I could find was like a YouTube channel that has like 92 subscribers that like <laughs> was doing multiple videos about The Walking Dead last mile. Uh huh. Uh, like the most I actually got was like an article on GameSpot that had an infographic that showed it got 50 million views over the course of four months, which seems impressive. Yeah. Uh, but if you say look up on YouTube, you get four results. And these could be, there's obviously an algorithm behind YouTube. This could have affected this. So, you know, mm-hmm. keep that in mind. But what I got when I looked up Walking Dead Last Mile reception, I got one talking about how it sucked. A Comic-Con panel that was from before it launched, and then a bunch of videos about the Telltale Walking Dead series. Mm. Mm -hmm. Not great. No, not ideal. So I looked up its presence on Facebook, and Alex, Mm. it has 14,000 followers. Ooh, boy. Now, granted, it's it's been a dead product for the better part of a year, but Rival Mm. Peak, in comparison, has 262,000 followers, (laughs) and that's been dead for longer. Yeah. 
Alex, I think this might have been an abject failure, one that I think Genvid isn't all that interested in talking about. Boy, it sure seems like it. It also seems like this project might have done better if it was Rival Peaks 2. Mm-hmm. Because then we could have a discourse about how they are sort of moving forward and be like, oh, they added it. They added like interactive mini games to enhance interactivity and give people something to actually do. Yeah. Yeah. And like both Rival Peak and like Walking Dead at least have like a supernatural element to it. But like one's like a lot more lighthearted about it mm-hmm. as opposed to Walking Dead, which is serious times all the time. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it seems like. You can't help but feel like they maybe just left their audience behind on accident because of that. Yeah. So that was their last major product before Silent Hill Ascension. And it's clear they needed to do something different, which, well, that brings us to Silent Hill Ascension. So I do want to bring up one more thing about The Last Mile because there is a very obvious comparison with the Telltale games. And the Telltale games also had, you know, these critical decision points where you had to make a choice. And mm. then in it would also, at the end of the game, show you how your decisions uh, stacked up against sort of worldwide data. Mm. The thing about those decision points is that they were generally kind of high-pressure situations mm-hmm. uh, where you got, you know, you had to make a decision very quickly about an emergency that's about to occur. And I'm unclear how the mile system was supposed to handle these situations. If I had to guess, because not being being unable to watch the last mile and when it was actually happening, mm-hmm. if it's anything like Silent Hill Ascension, they probably put these up to a vote like a couple hours beforehand. And then okay. you could just actively vote on them up until the point when the decision was made. Right. How often would that result in you voting on something you had no context about? That's a great question. Um, I think there was probably a decent chance that it happened often if it really was running 24-7. Yeah, because, like, again, this is another thing I feel like is going to become very relevant to discussing Silent Hill Ascension is, like, how do you actually pull off this system in a horror context? Mm-hmm. where you want people to vote about, again, high-pressure emergency situations that are full of tension, but you need voting to occur over a long enough period of time for people to vote on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Alex, they are going to completely fail at that. And on the top Yay. of failing on it, they're also going to just actively undermine their own system. Yay! <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we will get to that. So, Silent Hill Ascension... Um, A lot of information that we're going to be talking about with this is fresh regarding its development because this Mm. is a very new product. Right. And as more information comes to light, some part of this that we're going to be talking about today may end up being outdated because there's just some parts that just aren't completely clear at this point. Mm -hmm. If it's significant enough, I may do like an addendum in the future, but just keep that all that in mind. So to start, GenFit is going to be moving this off of Facebook. Hmm. Given their close relationship they seem to have with Facebook, it's a bit unclear why. And mm-hmm. I could certainly speculate, but it would be just that speculation. Right. What I can tell you is that instead, they're going to host this on their own bespoke website, SilentHillAscension.com, where the video player and all the game elements will reside. Genvid is once again going to be in charge of all the infrastructure, but for the actual in-game assets, they are going to turn to two separate developers. Behavior Interactive best known for the catch-all franchise horror game Dead by Daylight, and Bad Robot, 
the J.J. Abram-owned studio known for a single iOS game back in 2011. To be fair, the bad robot, they're more known for the television side of things. So. Right, yeah, for sure. Um, but, but they do technically hmm. have a video game arm. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't either. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like the video game arm might as well be dead, and it's probably just bad robot proper who did just like some like like character concept art and whatnot and mm-hmm. monster art. So the, the studio, once again, known for the television. Right. So, for the writing, Genvid is going to turn to DJ2 again for about a hot minute before they just straight up post uh, Stephen Bugage to directly work for them. Okay. After this, I understand that they dropped DJ2 in favor for Martian Brothel, a narrative mm-hmm. design studio uh, with staff best known for a lot of Telltale games, such as Tales from the Borderlands and some side quest stuff for God of War Ragnarok. Uh, they've also apparently been working with Ken Levine on something called Judas since 2018. Oh, my God, I forgot about New Space Bioshock. Yeah, I forgot about it, too. Apparently, it's going to be released in 2025. I, I, I sure. don't need that. Sure, why not? Mm-hmm. By the way, a uh, shout out to the name Martian Brothel for being the most, like, late 90s to mm-hmm. late 2000s video game company name that puts out, like, emulated copies of, like, Mega Man <laughs> or something. Like, ex- excellent name. I have, I have not heard of a more video game ass name in a long mm-hmm. time. Yep. So, so for Ascension, it's going to be very much in the same vein as Rival Peak or The Last Mile, with a number of key differences. And I think in order to help show that off, I should show you their concept trailer. Oh, God. I mostly want to show this concept trailer off to you, Alex, because, my God, it, it, there, is some, there is some real, real good stuff in here. Mm-hmm. Did this trailer get scrubbed from the internet? This is really weird. <laughs> you know this might this might not be impossible because of like how this trailer looked like i i feel like they were like immediately embarrassed about this trailer oh man they might have had to scrub it they may have let's see if i save a link to it oh this is so weird yeah i i remember the blowback for this trailer being like immediate and just like overwhelmingly embarrassing mm-hmm. and d- deservingly so oh, let yeah. me tell you oh yeah weird okay no i found it okay good yeah it god let's see it is roughly four minutes long but i am not going to make you watch the entire four minutes there's just there'll be certain I, parts we'll start with and we'll cut through to the rest the, i do not remember it being four minutes long yeah, it, there's multiple trailers that are like two minutes long. Mm-hmm. You might be thinking of like... It might be, yeah. Yeah, here we go. Okay. Silent Hill Ascension is a thrilling new Genvid interactive series where you, along with the rest of the community, will impact the canon of Silent Hill. It's free to experience... Install now from the App Store and Google Play for mobile devices or on a PC at Ascension.com. Silent Hill Ascension follows characters from locations around the world tormented by new and terrifying Silent Hill monsters. Lurking in the shadows, these monsters threaten to consume people and their children as they're drawn into the darkness by both recent murders and long-suppressed guilt and fears. Silent Hill Ascension Season Pass, which unlocks exclusive puzzles, character, and profile customization options. 
Season passes are the best way to gain IP to be part of the show, but you can access all the key features for free. Which characters survive or don't is in your hands. Face your trauma together and join millions of fans live to shape the canon of Silent Hill forever. Ah, <laughs> uh, I love these comments on the side. A lot of death metaphors. Mm-hmm. Where's the rat located? What the- <laughs> Using the big steak knife, are we? <laughs> Cut her. Damn, a monster this soon. <laughs> we'll skip for it. <laughs> oh no, there it is. Yep. yep. There it is. The gold moment. Only you have it. <laughs> it's compl- It's a non-fungible moment. Yep. You can sell that moment to somebody else. Oh. And a season pass? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yes. Face your, Face trauma, your together. trauma together. Oh. What like, a trailer. There are just so many. Okay. Here's a hot take. Mm-hmm. The mile system is not an inherently terrible, useless idea. It's not going to change the world, but there are fun ways you can use it. Yeah. Horror's the wrong genre for it. Mm-hmm. Like, straight mm-hmm. up, it's just a bad idea to try and shoehorn this into the horror genre. And there are just a lot of bullet points in here that explain, if you stop to think about it for five seconds, why that is. But I think number one is even the creators don't know how it's going to end. Yeah. Implies that means the creators don't know what is going on here and have no overall, like, narrative point to what they're doing. So the funny thing about that is that they do, because there Mm -hmm. are a finite amount of endings. Okay. And a lot of the decisions that they make that are canon... Like, when you go into, like, actually vote on decisions, there are some that are like, hey, this is going to affect the plot. And those right. are like, it's just going to affect how the scene plays out. Mm-hmm. Which does result in a lot of scenes playing out in a really weird way and in immediately uh-huh. reverting back, like, right afterwards. <laughs> right. So I think they actually still have, like, a general through line to it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not going to be like, it's not, it's not like Rival Peak, where they're going to have to, like, rewrite things as the week goes on. Right. They just kind of go, oh, well, uh, I guess we're going to now be going on this path towards ending number 34 or whatever. Which becomes like the Mass Effect problem again mm-hmm. of like, well, yeah, that that choice, that choice seemed important, but it actually didn't matter. Except yeah. that the way they've done it now, no, that choice didn't even seem important because they told you it didn't matter mm-hmm. when you were making it. Yep. Yep. But you you should still, like, make it because you can collect the moment and maybe become a top influencer so that you'll get your own unique golden moment. Yeah, I I don't know how much I'm going to cut out from this of us watching the trailer, but Uh there are parts in there where if you basically do the most voting, you will get get a moment that only you will possess, (laughs) which is just a little icon saying, congrats, you, you voted. Also, the, speaking of, like, the canon, the tagline where it's like, you get to influence the next part of the, the Silent Hill canon. No mm-hmm. one cares about the Silent Hill canon. No, they do not. 
There is no significant interconnected storyline from one game to another. It doesn't matter and no one cares. Every game is its self-contained story about personal guilt and trauma and shitty behavior. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, as much as it would be funny to find out that, oh, no, this is like a sequel to Silent Hill Shattered Memories or something like that. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be its own self-contained thing. Much like that Walking Dead thing was its own self-contained thing that they could ignore if it didn't go well. Like, there's a reason why there's like five bespoke products that are happening right now. Right. That way, if one of them hits, they could just work off of that one. Except that they can't because Silent Hills have hit before. Mm -hmm. And then the next one was just a completely new thing. Like, there is no working off of something. At least not successfully. Yep, true, true. Yeah, it's a... There's a lot of interesting choices that are going on here. I think we can agree with. Yeah. And... I guess to get into like exactly what is going on in Silent Hill Ascension, it's going to be much of the same vein as Rival Peak or The Last Mile with a number mm-hmm. of key differences, uh, some that we've already highlighted and some that will probably be new. Uh, first off, they're going to experiment with AI elements, but as far as I know, they're not going to include any of those in the game. There's mm. no major AI elements to speak of. Mm-hmm. As far as I know... <laughs> I would not be shocked if we find out a few months from now that actually, no, they used a lot of AI in this. And that's why it's so weird. Right. So those AI characters that did whatever they wanted are gone, and they're now replaced with fully voiced, mostly bespoke characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the mostly bespoke part I'll get to in a second. <laughs> now, obviously, this requires a lot more work. So instead of this being 24-7, it's instead going to be a six-month project that will run seven days a week, with each episode being about 7 to 12 minutes. This also means how viewers interact and alter the narrative has to be changed as well. Instead of voting in the moment, viewers will now vote ahead of time using influence points, a finite resource they can replenish by completing login goals, playing a number of simple mini-games, or straight up buying it. Uh, uh, It's so tiring. Isn't it? Yeah, the, fr- the freaking engagement obsession mechanics. Uh, log in every day for your to complete the battle pass milestone. Mm-hmm. And get a hat. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. so tired of it. I'm so tired. I hate video games. Yeah, it's good that for the most part, like, well, some parts of the video game industry are starting to move on from that because they've realized mm-hmm. people are kind of hate that sort of stuff now. Right. Which makes all the more sense that GenVid is like, yeah, no, we got a battle pass in this. Yeah, it's like, God, everyone's tired of the battle pass. But the battle pass, though. But the battle pass. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, when I saw that you could just buy straight up uh, influence points, I was like, oh, I can see where this is going to go wrong very quickly. Mm-hmm. So there also isn't like a recap episode like there was previously. Rather, as mentioned before, there are two hosts that will talk about what happened previously before the next episode snippet airs at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Right. Which, by the way, it always airs at 9 p.m. So if you are not, like, basically living in the same hemisphere as the United Mm -hmm. States, uh, like, say, if you live in, say, England, you're going to have to watch this at 1 in the morning if you want to catch it live. Which, Mm -hmm. by the way, you kind of have to because there's, like, quick time events you can do that will influence things that will happen. So if you want the full interactive experience and you Mm -hmm. live in England, bad news. You're getting up early every single day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or I guess staying up late. Staying up late, probably, yeah. 
Finally, the entire narrative structure appears to be different in the sense that it's largely pre-written. It appears that roughly 36 endings have been written out, and while I'm not sure if everything has already been animated and voice acted, it appears a lot already has. Uh, this includes stuff that may never be seen. Jacob Nabok right. uh, estimates that for roughly every 45 minutes of animation, there's about 15 minutes that are left unseen by the player. Uh, Navok being the CEO of Genvin. Uh, finally, unlike other Biles, once this is completed, viewers can go back in and do like a New Game Plus run and see the other outcomes. So okay. that's actually kind of neat. Like you yeah. can actually engage with this product after it's done, unlike literally every other product Genvin has done up to this point. Mm-hmm. Overall, a lot of these changes do honestly seem pretty smart and should make for a better product, except for one issue, Alex. Uh-huh. This is from top to bottom a terrible product to consume and interact with. Yeah. Yeah, that's the impression I get. Mm-hmm. Let's also, first... Go ahead. Sorry, wait. I just... real. Okay, so afterwards, you can go back and sort of do like a New Game Plus run yeah. on your own and influence it the way that you want to, to mm-hmm. see scenes according to the storyline the way you want it to flesh out. Yes. That sounds like a superior product to the live service that they are currently running. Yeah, it's almost like yeah, it's almost like they completely <laughs> undercut uh, their whole entire product. Yeah. Um mm. But it won't be canon, Alex. It won't be canon. It won't <laughs> affect the very important Silent Hill canon that the new movie is going to undo anyway. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's it's because so silly. Something to keep in mind as we go through all of this is why is Konami even doing any of this? Mm-hmm. It's to have a movie tie-in. <laughs> the main product is Christoph Gans's new Silent Hill movie. Mm-hmm. And everything else that's coming out, including the remake of fan-beloved Silent Hill 2, is merchandise. Yeah, it's, it's all the... There, I think there's a decent argument to say that, yeah, it's all it's all to build hype towards the movie. Yeah, it's uh, which uh, makes it's... us all that much more cynical when they're like, yeah, no, you'll influence the canon. Totally. <laughs> Carl, the Norwegian is definitely going to show up in Silent Hill F in some way. Absolutely. Just like, no, he's not. Don't like me. Not. So we're going to break down why this is like this product's a complete problem. And we're going mm-hmm. to start with the thing that basically announced it in the first place. The trailer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically the concept trailer that Alex and I just watched. Mm-hmm. While the narrative trailers are for the most part fine, like the animation is janky and voice act is not the great, it, it at least gives you an idea, gives you some intrigue what's going on. The overview trailer is maybe one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> the impression I've gotten is that this is maybe the first time like a mile has actually hit a widespread and dare I say mainstream audience. Mm-hmm. And my impression is that it seemed to have confused everyone as to what this product even was. Mm. Uh, coincidentally that's a problem that rival peak had actually where people mm. thought it was a game and they were like no it's not supposed to be it's something you're supposed to watch right now they so they go into like detailed like they explain what exactly you're going to be doing there but it is filled with such a little funny moments such as showing how the chat works mm-hmm. and boy do they have an ubisoft level of optimism about what that chat was going to be like because some of those fake messages are great yeah stuff includes uh like there's like stuff like um are they going to talk about trauma to saying about freedom? Another word for nothing left to lose. Or how about this one? How does one free the ugly within? <laughs> and my favorite, do these people have the big sad? 
I say that to my dog on occasion when she Aww. pouts about not getting enough food. I go like, do you have the big sad? <laughs> and she stares at me blankly. Actually, Alex, I lied. My favorite is here comes Colts. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just say that every time a Jehovah's Witness shows up. Yeah. And they don't appreciate me, but they still keep oh. coming. Now, the trailer then ends by asking the audience to fix your trauma together. <laughs> the best oh it's the best yeah alex you'll be surprised the chat will be nothing like this when it launches wow almost immediately every racial slur and way to say hideo <laughs> kojima will be used to the point right. that and what's funny is like first they're going to prioritize by banning mentions of hideo kojima mm-hmm. yeah like initially when this launches the only banned words are like hideo kojima and one other pertaining to like metal Gear or something yeah yeah but like the racial slurs were still That's going fine. strong yeah whatever who cares <laughs> Yep. <laughs> now, they're eventually going to quickly switch the chat to only show emojis and unlockable stickers you can get. <laughs> unlockable stickers that include, like, a basically a rainbow um, rainbow set of letters that just says, it's trauma. Which <laughs> <laughs> is <Just> fun. <laughs> oh, someone on this team is a genius. Mm-hmm. Somebody is. And that is, that is unironically funny. The unironically funny sticker. It is, yes. Uh, another fun thing about the chat is that you do like rate limit it, so you only send like think it's like one message, like one emoji every thirty seconds. Okay. Which you can break if you just click really quickly. You could just oh oh you, okay yeah, so you can still spam like ten in a row if you wanted to. <laughs> and it should also be mentioned they finally switched it off. Uh, I think it was the week uh, before recording this episode, mm-hmm. so you can now actually post messages. And Alex, the chat is a ghost town. <laughs> Just the same four people opening, wondering why they are like either watching this or gave money to Genvid. Which, speaking of, uh, <laughs> the yeah. monetization is terrible and actively hurting the experience. Woo! So, the best way to begin is by talking about your avatar. So, you can create your own characters that has the potential to show up in the story of Silent Hill Ascension via an in-game raffle. A raffle that mm. you can use influence points in order to buy tickets. Alex, the avatar is very basic. Uh-huh. It's a, first off, it's just a still image of a 3D model. And you have 18 faces, um, which you only have access to 10, actually 8 to start with. Uh, faces number 11 through 18 first. Mm-hmm. Not 1 through 10 for some reason, 11 through 18. 7 skin uh, colors okay. and 4 hairstyles to choose from. Now, these hairstyles, by the way, are style and color. So you have like blonde wavy, but not brown wavy. Brown wavy okay. needs to be unlocked. Mm-hmm. There are facial hair options that you cannot select, which I believe means it needs to be unlocked, which when I wrote this, I did not realize that. Uh, I actually did recently unlock the ability to have a pencil beard. So, yes. Okay. So, how do you get more options? Either by spending influence points, which unlocks loot boxes, or by spending $20 on the season pass. Now, for those of you who aren't aware, season passes or battle passes are, like a lot of things Genvid is into, something that used to be incredibly popular to keep people engaged with their product. It's usually about 100 levels, and as you complete tasks, you earn experience to unlock each level, and you'll usually get some sort of bespoke item. Now, for something like a shooter, some of these items can be very desirable. However, Mm -hmm. Silent Hill Ascension is a TV show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So instead, you get stuff like a sticker that depicts a piece of bread. A legendary emerald long cardigan your character can wear. 
And it is called Legendary, which means theoretically, I guess you could get an uncommon Emerald Long Cardigan? A little loading screen of a legendary goat pen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're going to lock loading screens in this and equip them. It's great. Okay, so like these are obviously stupid, but there's another fundamental problem. Yeah. Which is, okay, you've locked all the character customization options and then created a raffle for people to appear on the show. What if the avatar that appears on the show doesn't have the character customization options they want and they just get some lame basic avatar because they haven't unlocked anything? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what happens, Alex. Most of the characters look ridiculous because nobody's unlocked anything. So it's like, there's so many characters that are just like, like woman with like the first beard you can get (laughs) that just show up and that's it. And they're like wearing like a generic white shirt or like a generic long sleeve shirt that like is one of the seven options or so that you have. It is... Oh, it's wonderful. Because, yeah, and you could immediately tell, oh, you're not actually supposed to be here. <laughs> uh-huh. And, yeah, so that that is very funny, but it actively hurts the experience. Oh, yes, and it is does. frustrating to people trying to get invested in either direction. Uh-huh. It's also a very obvious problem that I came up with after five seconds about hearing about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why no one else thought of it. But also, how many of these people show up? Oh, here's the thing. A ton, because there's three different levels of avatars that could show up. There's background characters who say nothing. Uh-huh. There's speaking roles who will speak in, like, one scene and then disappear. <laughs> and then there are characters who will show up in multiple scenes, if you're so lucky to get selected for them. Uh-huh. That will have, like, prominent roles in the story, apparently. Like, for instance, like Barry Man uh, mm-hmm. from the infamous uh, tweet that Voidbroker sent out. Um, infamous is maybe a weird word to say that, but um, mm-hmm. that Barry Man shows up in multiple scenes. And <laughs> while I'm not going to say that Barry Man has a huge impact on the story, they do have an impact. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's so weird. Like, there are like members of like Foundation, the main cults that are like right. the heads of Foundation that are NPCs. NPC avatars that like, yeah, they'll show up in multiple scenes. And it's like, oh, they once again, you can totally tell that they are because they're not their skin tones are not quite right. Right. They'll have the same level of fidelity in their modeling as the main characters. Yeah, it actively hurts it. It's yeah, it's not you, good. You have crowdsourced important character design. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. So I should say, by the way, just getting back to the battle pass, because there's my, my favorite mm-hmm. thing about it is that level 95 out of 100, uh-huh. so you get really deep in there, you get face 01. They made sure to make the first face option the like last face option you can mm-hmm. unlock in the battle pass. Okay, great. Which I found that funny as hell. Mm-hmm. So already this is all a little weird, right? But the right. thing that breaks this is the influence points, Alex. So... Influence points, once again, are used to vote on decisions alongside buying raffle tickets and unlocking loot boxes. Right. I, I should point out, you when you spend the influence points on decisions, that builds up a meter that unlocks the loot boxes. You don't have to okay. make a choice between decisions or loot box. Okay. So you start with about 4,000, if I remember correctly, and you can earn additional amounts, usually around 200 to 400 by completing the various minigames. Mm-hmm. Now... The are incentivized to do these minigames because they also are one of the determining factors if a character will ultimately survive the story. But for the day-to-day story decisions, you'll be voting with influence. And you can put as much as you like. 
So let's say you don't want to play the mini games because either you didn't buy the season pass or your favorite mini game is locked that day, mm-hmm. or you just hate them because they're boring. Mm-hmm. Good news. You could buy either 6,000 influence for $5, uh, 12,600 for $10 or 26,400 for $20. Now, once again, you could put as much influence as you want into a single decision, and you can see how much influence has already been put into a single decision before you vote, which is another bad idea. Mm-hmm. For instance, one decision I have seen had nearly 600,000 influence points put into it, <laughs> and uh-huh. you can probably see where this is going. Mm-hmm. If you really wanted to, you could spend a ridiculous amount to put a decision over the top. For instance, if you wanted to spend 250,000 influence, you could just spend $200 and make that happen. By the way, if somebody's put a modifier in there that gives it two times influence points, technically, I guess that would be 500,000 because I don't think there are caps on there. Yep. Now, is that a good use of your money? Absolutely not. But when has that stopped anybody, says the Mm -hmm. man who has spent over $200 on Destiny? (laughs) I have also seen the opposite this creates happen. By surfacing the influence scores, you discourage people from engaging. Right. For instance, there was one decision that I saw that was up by a cool 1 million influence, and I was seeing Reddit posts basically asking, why would I even bother voting? Mm-hmm. Because by showing how far behind your favorite decision might be, it completely discourages you from spending maybe the one or 2,000 influence that you have, especially if you haven't paid for it, or especially if you have. Mm-hmm. This in turn leads people to not engage with the product, which is, I think is the exact opposite of what Genvid wants. Uh, yeah, I would say so. It's now, also just a bizarre system. Like, yeah. it makes sense for getting people to buy things, but just saying, oh, yeah, you can just buy a million votes mm-hmm. in this poll. Yeah. Like, okay, well, then that poll is illegitimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. It's... <laughs> And to be fair, uh, Jacob, Jacob Navolk has been on the record for saying that he kind of hates voting. Okay, okay, wait, let me, let me, let me back up, let me back up. Okay. Not, not in general. Like, right. Not like he hates democracy, but like he doesn't like voting in games. Um, he, he thinks that's like kind of like a bad system. They wanted to like figure out other ways to work around this. Right, but when, they didn't. They didn't, yes. <laughs> Which is like, okay, if you hate it, why are you making that product? Yeah, because, like, I think the other thing that they tried to do, like, either, like, trying to influence decisions while they were happening or, mm-hmm. like, the quick time events that are at the end of every moment in Silent mm-hmm. Hill, I-, I think they quickly found that they require people to actually in- actively engage with the product as it's happening. Right. And when it's so short and at very specific times that might be not be conducive for everybody, they uh-huh. had to put in some sort of interactive element that they could monetize. And I think that's ha- they settled on, well, shit, I guess we have to do voting. Yeah. With that being said, I understand why they're doing all this, because they're no longer on Facebook, which means they're Mm -hmm. no longer getting the revenue cut that Facebook ads would give them. Right. Ascension is on various video demand services like Tubi, the the best place to watch Columbo, which is not a joke. It is. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what the deal they have with them earns them in terms of royalty or ad share. I imagine, especially for something like Tubi, that is 100% ad supported. There's no subscription service with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, as far as I know, anyways, uh, that probably means they're not getting a whole lot of ad revenue from that. Uh, and I know that they tried and failed for reasons that are unclear to me to get on consoles such as the Xbox and PS5. That means that they have they have to earn money, mm-hmm. especially if they're paying the bandwidth costs associated with video, something that probably was offloaded onto Facebook before. Right. 
But now they're paying the bills to probably AWS in order to accomplish all this. Mm-hmm. But in turn, what they have to do is offer a monetized product that, in my view, offers either very little value or actively discourages you from buying and spending currency unless you're a whale. So, yeah, it, I'd be very interested to see how GenVid comes out the other side of this because I can't imagine it's good. No, and oh boy, I I cannot imagine the Silent Hill Ascension whales are thriving right now. I, that sounds like a miserable experience. Yeah, it kind of does. You know, I'm, we're gonna do a we're gonna do a real life fact check right now. I'm gonna okay. go to I'm gonna go to Silent Hill Ascension's website and see how much votes have been placed on uh, two things. Uh, first off, the most recent decision that's coming up. Okay. Uh, I will say it looks like there's been considerably more influence put in. I think there's like a million more influence put in so far. So mm-hmm. there are people who are actually actively doing things there. Now the cameos, that's what I want to know. Ooh, that ain't great. <laughs> Yesterday, there were 900 total entrants, and that has doubled to nearly 1,800, but I'm also seven of those. Mm. 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 And in fact, I am now going to make myself eight. <laughs> I have now made myself eight. So yeah, it there could actually be decent engagement still going on, but I don't know how much of that is monetized. Right. And it it's such a weird in my view, it is a weird decision to run your own streaming platform for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the even if you didn't want to do Facebook, there's Twitch, there's YouTube, mm-hmm. there there are other options. And it's so costly to set up your own streaming infrastructure. Yeah, it really is. And like I wonder if there was like something with uh, the Miles technology that won't allow them to do that with Twitch for one reason or another. I don't see I what it could be. I mean, the, the voting they definitely could have done. There's mm-hmm. no, there's absolutely no reason why they couldn't have done that. Right. But like the quick time event stuff that happens during it, maybe that is affected by it in a negative way. I. But yeah, you're right. It's really well. They do allow you to, like, look back at the moments and stuff like that. So maybe they mm-hmm. still needed to have, like, their own bespoke service for that instead of just trying to, like, partition it off to, like, YouTube videos. I, I don't know. It it seems like there's... I can see maybe why they did this, but there are right. potential solutions they could have had, such as have a YouTube presence. Yeah, I, I, I do not know. I'm obviously not involved in their business, and mm-hmm. I, I have to assume that they are making informed business decisions. But... Man, this seems like a lot of struggling. It really does. And like, I know they raised like, I think a grand total of $166 million over the course of their company. But like, is that going to pay for like an ongoing? This is essentially a games as a service thing they're kind of doing now. Those things are expensive. They're paying for mm-hmm. bandwidth. Like, can they yeah. afford that? Uh, like, how much is that costing? It has to be costing them a lot if they're having any think. sort of engagement. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's a big problem, but honestly, Alex, it's not even their biggest problem. Okay. I know, right? The biggest problem is there is the narrative is just janky and likely beset by technical limitations. Which, I mean, to be fair, perfect Silent Hill experience. <laughs> yep. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So when I said that they have episode snippets that are about 9 to 12 minutes long, mm-hmm. I don't think I get across what the actual structure of this is, which is to say yes. it's a disjointed mess. Okay, and I've been very curious about what is the actual structure of these episodes. Because voting happens before the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And here's the here's the thing. Like, when we talk about the plot, you're going to see just how disjointed it is. Because uh-huh. we're going to be flipping back and forth between different points. But to describe right. how each 
episode snippet happens in just like a general overarching sense. Mm-hmm. They are made up of individual scenes that are roughly between 90 to 120 seconds long, and they always take place in one environment without any real transitions between scenes, mm-hmm. even if they involve the same characters. Now, what happens is basically you'll have, say, two characters in a laundromat that will be reused, mm-hmm. uh, or three people in a graveyard, or in a hallway. There are so many scenes in hallways, it's crazy. <laughs> These locations are very limited, so you have a ton of scenes that are just going to reuse the same hallway or laundromat. Mm-hmm. Like, these were made with, like, a 3D movie maker or something. Mm-hmm. And when each scene ends, it just ends. Sometimes mid-thought from some characters. Like, they're trying to have, like, dramatic cliffhangers, but instead, the only tool they have to transition is just, like, a gentle fade to black, which unsurprisingly ruins any sort of tension. Right. And the most damning thing, though, is just how utterly disjointed it is, because... These limited sets, like, some scenes end up feeling, like, so strange when they're played back-to-back. For mm-hmm. instance, there's, like, one scene where a character who's in her dad's house gets angry at him and just storms out, only for the very next scene to play where she is just casually hanging out the same house, waiting for a detective to show up so she can give him a piece of evidence. Like, I think the idea is that they're mm-hmm. supposed to be a different house entirely, but <laughs> it ends up coming off as she, like, stormed out and then just, like, immediately came back and be like, oh, right, I have to just be here for a bit. Dex is going to show up. Dad, just hang out in your room. It'll be fine. So, like, it's really, really strange. Mm-hmm. Now, when I first logged into Ascension and took a look at the episodes and how long they were, I did notice something very peculiar. Mm. The first episode is 51 minutes. The second mm-hmm. is 46 minutes. The third, 38 minutes. The fourth, 30. The fifth, 28. So on and so forth. Right. Now, this is a bit weird, but once I dug into why this was, it all of a sudden became very clear. Originally, every episode snippet would go live at 9 p.m. every day. Mm-hmm. People complained about this as this was simply too frequent to catch every snippet. So right. GenVid just scaled things back and made it five days a week instead. Mm-hmm. This means one of two things to me. Either one, those end-of-the-week compiled episodes were supposed to tell a complete episode from Sunday to Saturday and now no longer can. Or two, it never was supposed to, and instead it was just always supposed to be kind of confusing. Right. This confusion is not helped by the decisions the community can make in-game. Often, it appears the community is just uh, trying to make make the worst possible decision you can make in a given moment. Of course, yep. Yep. Decisions that, at least for the minor ones, will always be contradicted or walked back minutes later. (laughs) One of them, for instance, has Carl, a grandfather who dotes on his grandson, get absolutely viciously mean with his grandson at a funeral, only to go back to being kindly right afterwards. It's not great. Right. Finally, the acting, scene composition, and model animations are just bad, Alex. <laughs> like, yeah. almost, like, almost immediately after this got released, jokes were being made about how it had to be written by AI, or mm-hmm. at least was done by people who spoke English as a second language. Mm-hmm. Now, we've already discussed the AI accusations in the previous episode, but for the ESL accusations, Jenvin's based in New York. Their lead mm-hmm. writer, Shannon in- Ingalls, is American as far as I know. And while some of the voice casts are ESL, quite a few of them are not. The reality seems seems to be is that these scenes were stitched together and had to account for major decisions. And because of that, it's near impossible fight to make it coherent. Right. All in all, this has resulted in a product that so far has been absolutely slagged. It's far harder to find someone who actually likes it than to find somebody who just doesn't completely hate it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hard to figure out, like, this is not really a product that's like, easy to review, just given its general nature. 
Right. But I will say it has a 1.8 out of 5 on the Google Play Store, and the Metascore from users is a 0.5 out of 10. So not great. <laughs> not good. Once again, the chat was lively for all the wrong reasons at launch and is now a ghost town with little more than a month in of something that's probably going to last about eight months now that they stretched out uh, the cadence of the episodes. Mm -hmm. And even the raffle you can enter your character in to show up in the scene is surprisingly sparse. Once again, they're sitting at about 17 to 18,000 votes right now, and you can have multiple entries. I have eight right now. So that's not exactly great so it's hard to say that this is a product that's going to be a long-term financial success for genvid going forward obviously i don't know how many people have bought the battle pass i don't know how many people have bought uh influence it could have been they a ton has been bought and things already paid for itself for all i know right but it doesn't look great it's not and it's it is not building an amazing reputation for genvid in general no it's not and, like, Genvid's going to have more products after this, or at least they claim they're going to. Yeah, that's what they're saying right now. Yeah, they, apparently they're going to do something with DC Comics uh, and oh, Borderlands, because, of course, they're going to do something with Borderlands. Of course, who's not going to do something stupid with Borderlands? Everyone does something stupid with Borderlands. Um, D2J Entertainment is going to be doing a movie involving Borderlands. They're not actually. Yeah. But um, that, will not, that will not actually happen. It, it does not appear to be happening. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. It, it'll it be very interesting going forward. And next episode, Alex, we are going to be talking about the first three episodes of Silent Hill Ascension. <sighs> Alex, how are you feeling? I just, I don't understand why Konami signed on to this. Mm, yeah. Like, it feels like Konami literally just shouted into the void, hey, we're bringing our franchises back. Does anyone want to make games for us? And mm. Jinvid was like, yeah, we'll license that. Yeah, why not? That sounds like... And that was the extent of the deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know why Konami did it, because they need money. Uh, right. And their other parts of their entertainment business are just not... They're not doing great. But, like, it... <sighs> It is so weird that they went so hard, right, on mm -hmm. Silent Hill, of all things. Yeah. Like, not even Metal Gear. They're not really going hard on Metal Gear. No, they half-assed pulling an old HD collection out of storage, and then they're going to remake a game with the old voice lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, there you go. That's what you got. Yeah, there's your, there's your Metal Gear. Y'all like Snake Eater, right? Yeah, Snake Eater rules, mm -hmm. but come on. It is, to be fair, better than the alternative, which is they make a new Metal Gear, because <laughs> we saw them do that, and it, it was it, bad. It was not great. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, so, like, yeah, it's, it's so interesting, and it's really unfortunate that they decided this is what they're going to lead with, as far as the yeah. reintroduction of Silent Hill to the mainstream masses, right? Like, right. Of all things. It, it's just everything that they've announced so far, I just look at, and I'm like... Why is this here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, why are, we, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? The Konami story from the past 10 years, right? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, we have a really popular soccer franchise that you just are deciding to cede every possible inch of ground to EA, and now mm -hmm. it's this weird, like, online mobile gotcha thing now. Konami, why did you do this? I don't <laughs> know, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Konami, you built up a ton of, like, hype around a new Silent Hills game in a way that Silent Hill has never, like, had any sort of hype around it. Why? 
why did she just decide to, lay, decide to leave the AAA space? I don't know. Seemed like a good idea at the time. Ugh. Yeah, Konami sucks. I hate him. Konami, you you have run the Castlevania franchise into the ground and tried to revive it with Lords of Shadow, which was not well received. Why are you making a sequel? I don't know. Seemed like a good idea at the time. The New York. Uh yeah. Once again, the fact that Konami has not tried to capitalize on the success of the TV show or the Netflix mm-hmm. show, I guess more accurately. Well, beyond, you know, releasing those NFTs anyways, <sighs> is just mind boggling. That really tells you all you need to know, though. Yeah. So, oh, successful thing. This is the NFT. Yep. Yeah. That's that's where Konami's at. What a hilariously clueless company that somehow is still a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but. I, I, on the on the upside, once they finish their Silent Hill Two remake, they'll finally have the master source code to Silent Hill Two again. <laughs> you know, yeah, because because they just lost the original gold source for the most beloved horror game ever made. <laughs> it's just gone. It's just gone. Don't worry. If it's like any like a Nintendo project. The fans will just reverse engineer that thing yeah. and fix all the bugs. And unlike Nintendo, Konami won't shut that down. They're, no, they they won't. They won't care. They, yeah, they will not care at all. In fact, they'll probably just steal it. Probably. But yeah. And, but, and then not release it because we already made Silent Hill 2 HD. What are you talking about? It's perfect. Go buy that. Yeah, go buy that. It's great. <laughs> it's bad, by the way. It's not. It's not good. It's not going to be good. No, it will not be. Um, but speaking of not good things next episode we're going to be talking about silent hill ascension's plot and boy let me tell you it ain't good oh boy i'm excited to see just every silent hill after four Mm. with the possible exception of shattered memories is just an exercise in missing the point yeah and i'm excited to see how they miss the point this time they absolutely are going to miss the point in this yes shattered memories was cool by the way i will 100 defend that game uh, I, I never played it, but it was like a reimagining of Silent Hill 1, right? In many ways, yes. And okay. it had a very interesting system where, like, the ending was influenced by actions you take uh, mm-hmm. during the game. And, like, stuff like looking at, like, a piece of lingerie would, like, increase the character's lust and whatnot. That would affect, mm. like, how the uh, the counselor that's in that game would, like, talk to your player character and whatnot. And the ultimate mm-hmm. ending that would happen. Like, like it, it doesn't... It doesn't succeed in what it sets out to do, in my opinion, right. but it is very fascinating with what it tried. Mm-hmm. And I cannot hate the game for it. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex, do you have any final thoughts? I wonder if Will Wheaton plays Dungeons and Dragons. Google, does Will Wheaton play Dungeons and Dragons? I, w- I, w- I would watch a, a D&D live play or with, uh, with Will Wheaton DMing. That sounds fun. He is indeed a Dungeons and Dragons player, and apparently okay. he played during PAX 2010 using the 4th edition rules, according to hmm. Wikipedia. Oh, he's a 4th edition player. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Popular choice from what I, uh, unpopular choice from what I understand. Um, yes, uh, I won't get into it, but for somewhat unfair reasons, but yes. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's on YouTube if you want to watch it, apparently. Hmm. Yeah. I should do that. Yeah, that could be fun. Yeah, well... You, the viewer. Well, Alex, thank you for doing this with me as always. Of course. And you, the viewer, thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of Fallen Through Plot Holes. 
And if you want to listen to other episodes, such as the first part of this series, you can go to ftp.podbean.com or search for a fall through plot hole on your podcast service of choice. Uh, you can also find us at YouTube at Fallen Through Plot Holes. Uh, we'll have a link in the description to this episode to the uh, directly to the YouTube episode. Uh, you also could we uh, heavily encourage you to leave us a like, you know, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff, you know. Or you can send us messages on at our email address at fallthroughplotholes at gmail.com. You should tell us about what uh, Konami franchise you want them to bring back, but for some reason make like 10 different projects of. Are you a mystical ninja fan? I hope so, because I am. <laughs> How about Gradius? How about we finally get that gritty Gradius remake that I think was like threatened a long time ago? Oh god. I think they technically still own Hudson. Maybe they could like bring back Bomberman, but like not like the way they're bringing it back now. Like Bomberman Act Zero. Remember that one? That yeah. was great. Yeah. No, that's where my mind went when you said gritty Gradius. I was like, oh, this is Gradius Act Zero. <laughs> Hooray. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, God. It would be wonderful. It would not be wonderful. It no. would be wonderful. Ah, but yeah, definitely do that. Let us know. And uh, hopefully we'll see you all next week as we talk about the plot of Sal Hill Ascension. Alex, once again, thank you for doing this with me as always. Of course. And take care, everybody. Take care.